Welcome to another intriguing episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. We have the pleasure of uh, hooking up once again with Benjamin Wheelwright, a young actor who shares the lead in the successful Broadway show, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, a show that took five Tony Awards in New York. That's the other great thing about theater school is that they bring in uh, industry professionals and you and you get to start forming those relationships. And it's up to you, really is up to you to, to continue those relationships once you leave drama school. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? I wasn't waiting for the phone to ring, you know? That's important. That's very important. Make the work for yourself. Get yourself out there yourself. And then if you have an agent, they should be working as hard as you. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and again with me is my co-host, Fred Keating. Fred is joining me via Skype. He's on the west coast of Canada in Vancouver, and I'm in New York City. I'm in the lobby of the Mercer Hotel. Fred, tell me who's with us as a guest today. We have the pleasure of uh, hooking up once again with Benjamin Wheelwright, a young actor who shares the lead in the successful Broadway show, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, a show that took five Tony Awards in New York and was is the American version of uh, the same show that started in London, in the West End of London. So Benjamin, we want to chat about your advice to those other performers a little further back along the path than you are and what you can share with them about your experience and expertise and the strategies of staying alive in New York City. Great, yeah. Well, I'll just start off by saying that, you know, every every journey is a bit different, every story is a bit different, and there's a couple people in this cast that I'm uh, working with, and, and it's also their Broadway debut, and they're in their 50s, 40s, you know? So, uh, yeah, every, every journey is a bit different, but this is mine. <laughs> is it about getting discovered or is there something else that that really goes on here yeah i think if you if you if you know the steps in which you can take to get seen go to school you know uh then then things start to unfold this idea of getting discovered is not my experience and i don't think it in this day and you know time you know maybe there's youtube stars that get discovered but that's a whole different different ball game something that i'm not really sure about but i think to get really good training and to, to, to have a good foundation in this business, it's really important to go to go to a, a drama school. Tell us a little bit more about that foundation, about that training that you find that you and your colleagues have invested yourselves into. Yeah, so it's really this idea that they throw a bunch of different tools at you and, and you get to fail at those, work at those, hone them, you know, and you get three years to be with 10 people in a room. It's a, it's a huge, almost, you know, science experiment, to be honest, but it really is just this idea that you get to really study people for 10, 10 other people for, for three years straight. And it's just, and you get to watch their growth and they get to witness yours. And it's training that's invaluable because you'll never have, you'll never be this close to a group of people than you are at this time of your life, especially in your early 20s. It's very, you know, a lot is changing, you know, it's the first time that you're moving away from home. So a lot of the elements of training at a theater school stick with you and I think if you allow yourself to surrender to the process be willing to fail in front of people it will last a lifetime and I think I'm still you know things that have that were told to me by industry professionals you know two years ago are only now sinking in 
are hitting me and, and, and becoming true. That's the other great thing about theater school is that they bring in uh, industry professionals and you, and you get to for, start forming those relationships. And it's up to you, really is up to you to, to continue those relationships once you leave drama school. Well, certainly a National Theatre School is a great, uh, a great pedigree, but what was it that brought you to the attention of an agent, for example, or brought an agent to your attention? So I was really aware that I wanted to move to Toronto after, after um, spending three years in Montreal. So what I did was I spent the summers in Toronto getting to know the city, trying to meet as many people as I could, and I did that by working at the Summerworks Festival, which is... Um, an adjudicated, almost fringe-like festival. And I did that for three years. The first year, I was just a, a poster boy. You know, I was running around the city postering up uh, a show, running, getting coffee for the director. The second year, I auditioned for a show and I got it, and that led me to win the Emerging Artist Award. So I was around this festival meeting people, and that got the attention of industry people in that city. At the end of my time at the National Theatre School, what they do is they set up the showcase where you work with uh, a director and they, they work on uh, two, two monologues. And then you go to the Theatre Ontario Showcase and, and you do this in front of, uh, with your class in front of um, casting directors, directors, all, all people in the industry come, come to this, uh, this afternoon. From there, I started having, uh, getting emails from, from agents and, and starting to have meetings with them. That's how I got connected with my agent. So in your case, it was the agent found you. Is it, does it always happen that way? Uh, in my case, it did. Actually, to be honest, I didn't meet with that many agents. I, th I sort of knew the agency that I wanted to be a part of. That eventually changed halfway through the year, and the, my agent that I was working with decided to move to another agency, and I made that move with her. So, you know, there's, there's an ebb and flow. It's not like you, it's not concrete. It's never concrete in this business. Anyway, I, yeah, I just kept putting myself out there. I had a story to tell them, you know, that I had done the Summerworks Festival, that I was already doing it myself without their help. And I think that got their attention, that I wasn't waiting for the phone to ring, you know? That's important. That's very important. Make the work for yourself. Get yourself out there yourself. And then if you have an agent, they should be working as hard as you. It's a delicate balance. I, uh, I remember uh, the first agency I was ever associated with was one of the top agencies in Toronto, but my portfolio, so to speak, ended up on the desk of, I guess she was more than an intern, but she was an agent in training and uh, promptly lost my photos and resumes. And as I was halfway across the continent, it, it didn't help to have to keep shoving information at her and holding her hand when I was hoping that she'd be holding mine in a sense. So relationships with an agent, uh, advice to individuals on that, Benjamin? Yeah, it really is a business partnership. And it's kind of a funny thing when you, when you leave drama school and you don't even that never even registers that your business, your image is a business and uh, you'll, you'll have a partner eventually that helps sell your, your image. It's kind of a funny thing and it took me a couple of months to wrap my head around that. Advice is just, just to be the best that you can be so it's easy for them to, to sell you, you know, to get their foot in the door and for you to enter that room and be someone that makes an impact. That's really what you're striving for. Is there such a thing as the uh, Benjamin Wheelwright brand. How are they selling you? Because you are the commodity, Benjamin. You you are the vessel of the talent. And so how are uh, the agents or in fact your own pals uh, selling you, promoting your talent to uh, potential engagers? One of the questions that they ask you when you first interview with an agent is, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to be? What sort of work do you want to do? And I didn't really have an answer for that. I was really 
open to anything. You know, I, I was, yeah, I'll, you know, throw anything at me and I'll sink my teeth into it. And there, I know some actors in my class were really gain on, you know, doing mocap work, motion capture work for video games, doing voiceover work, doing film and television. You know, they had that sort of direction and, and focus. I was really gain for anything. So I don't know if that helped me in the long run, but it, I think that's the way I like to approach it at this point in my life. Because, you know, this experience about just uh, taking this one audition and for me to end up in New York, that's, it's pretty uh, indicative of how, how much this business takes you on, on this crazy path and you don't really know what's coming until, until you're there, you know what I mean? So this image that I have of myself is just an international artist. That's what I'm trying to sell myself as. I have the, the UK passport because my mom is from the UK. I'm working on the green card application, so hopefully I'll be able to work in the States and of course work in Canada. So that's that my image is how available I am to travel. And in this business, you have to be, you know, it's a nomadic lifestyle and unless you're, you know, working at the festivals and you're, you're, you're there for a couple of years, you know. My image of myself is the way in which I want to work, not necessarily the type of work. Well, New York City is the big pond. They call it the Big Apple, but it's the big pond for performers. Can you tell us how you came to the attention of the producers of the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime? You know, it's hard to say what, you know, what sparked their interest. I like to think that because I was traveling the world and I was willing to take a flight all the way across the Atlantic for one audition, that I think showed them how serious I was. And was it your agent that brought you to their attention? Yeah, it, was, it really was my agent. I have a great agency and they, they definitely put, put their foot in the door. I don't know to what extent they, you know, fought for me. I'm not sure. I, I, didn't, I haven't asked them, but uh, they were definitely the people that, you know, got me the first audition and, and, and were pretty persistent in keeping my, my name in their head. Now, in the last episode that you joined us here on our podcast, you did talk about the audition process for this particular play in some detail. Can you give us some generalizations now, some general advice that you can give to fellow actors about what you should be doing in an audition or not doing? I think what you should be going in with is the openness to work. If you go in there with a set ideas and plans of, of, of how the scene should work and it's always good to make choices but if you're sort of steadfast on those choices and they throw something at you you just need to show that you're you're easy to work with you're, you're, you know you're porous to direction i i suffered from you know taking an audition for granted and not knowing my lines at the beginning and i was dropping lines that's a big no-no you have to be you know solid on that and on that front uh which i learned very quickly and maybe struggle with but as long as you know you're your stuff and you go in there with uh, a confidence but also the vulnerability and the openness that's all you can do I, I think a lot of actors in an audition situation when asked to do something slightly different than what they've prepared take that somehow as a challenge to their choices that they've made when in fact it may simply be a producer or director testing your ability to take direction and as curious as you are about where it might lead, it's it's not an insult or a challenge to the choices that you brought to the room, which demonstrate a certain level of preparation and homework. Not at all. Yeah, no, it's it's almost a compliment because they want to see more of you. And if you can show them, the, you know, 180 complete, completely different, that's always a really good feeling because that, that wows them, I think. Yeah. Can you tell us about the, the fine line that you need to walk between confidence and humility? When you're in the room, you really got to fight for your space and you really got to show if, if that means that you have to you know, boost yourself up and tell yourself, you know, you're the best thing in the world. And as long as you're doing that, you know, for yourself and not, you know, pushing it on other people, that's the balance. 
whatever you need to do to feel as confident as you can without, you know, burning bridges. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess at the same time, the producers and directors don't want to work with somebody who's maybe overconfident, even bordering on egotistical. Definitely not. No, 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 no. It's, it, yeah, it is a balance. There's usually quite enough arrogance in the room. You don't have to add to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Benjamin, do you prefer uh, comedy or drama? Well, I think great drama is quite comical, and I think there's nuance in everything. So as long as you can play everything, you know, it's, it's important to be able to find the nuance within a piece. That's, that's, that's the key. The role of Christopher has a little of both, doesn't it? A lot of both, yeah. He's he's quite a he's an aggressive character. He's a he's a timid character. He's very nervous. He has a beautiful mind. He he sees math and science and everything. The play takes place inside of his brain, which is cool for those of you who have seen the set. It's one big box that's drawn out like graph paper, and the other characters in the play are what we call his brain microbes. So anything that Christopher wants, if he wants to fly off to outer space all he has to do is leap into the air and people will catch him and, and take him there when i've seen pictures of the uh, for want of a better word the camaraderie the support physically literally that uh, christopher's receiving from the rest of the cast they're quite inspiring yeah it's a it's a whole organism on that you witness on stage we do something that's apparently quite odd we warm up together <laughs> which is uh Something that the older cast is, that the people in the cast who have who've, who've been on Broadway before have told me that it's, uh, is, is kind of odd. Um, we meet an hour and 15 before the show, stretch together and warm up together, and then we do a, a proper lift call and fight call before every show. And apparently that's quite odd. Sometimes you just meet, your call is the half hour, and the first time that you make eye contact with people is when you're acting with them on stage. So it really is a family, and we have to you know, live and breathe together. It's not an idea. It's... It's kind of true for this show or else people will fall. <laughs> that sounds terrific. And speaking of this camaraderie, to what extent are you dependent on the talents of the crew as well? Everyone is really crucial in this play. So there are moments in the show where Christopher pulls props out of anywhere in the stage and the crew set those props and it happens quite rapidly. So I'm sure there's a dance that I'm not witness to because I'm I'm on stage the whole play. But I'm sure there's a whole dance and choreography of the of the stage crew of their own that's happening backstage. Because yeah, there's there's really quick moments where, you know, a, a train set gets pulled out of a box and then moments later Christopher's returned to the same place and there's a house coming out of it. So, you know, they're they're placing these props quite quickly. It's yeah, it's a really small stage that's I think what people find most surprising they come backstage uh, of a Broadway stage you know big big lights and big house and then it's tiny backstage so uh, yeah there's a there's a our crossover people are you know bumping shoulders squeezing past each other <laughs> great well hey Fred you know what we're we're just about coming up on time is there anything that else that you want to ask Benjamin I wanted to say thank you to Benjamin. It was terrific to hook up with him again after all these years. Wish him all the best and uh, and hope that the next time I'm in New York, we might get together for coffee just the way that you did this morning, Marvin. Splendid. Again, thanks for joining us, Benjamin. We really appreciate your time and good luck with the play. Thank you. Thank you to all the listeners. And if you find yourself in New York, Wednesday evenings, Saturday matinees, I'd love to perform for you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.